0: While pressure exists in those stop-clock, deadline situations, there are also the pressures of life experienced on the day-to-day. The pressures of parenthood, the pressures of executing the plan, the pressures of overcoming past obstacles. But what if you haven't dealt with those obstacles and issues? What if you don't want to deal with them? There are times that you want to just push it all away, or at least... Push it out of your mind and move on. Let's talk about it on a word with Anthony Walker. Repression, noun, the action or process of suppressing a thought or desire in oneself. So that it remains unconscious. Looking back, I remember when I was about 11 or 12 and I got my own room. I would quickly learn that having your own room came with having your own responsibility. One of those responsibilities was keeping my room clean. A clean room was an access to many of the extracurricular activities I wanted to do. So my parents set the standard as to what a clean room was. That first time, it felt like it took all day that Saturday. I had to put my dirty clothes where they needed to go. I needed to put my toys away neatly. I needed to make sure the floor was clean of any creativity, vacuum, you know the drill. This cleaned room became the standard. However, you know, kids, we pull out toys, books, and other creative items, and we don't return them. We don't put our clothes away with regularity. We don't make up our beds. So in two days, it went from a cleaned room till it looks like a tornado hit my room. But I really wanted to go outside. If I clean my room as I'm supposed to and need to, it would take forever Like 30 minutes. So I devised a plan. I had a couple of small bins that I kept some toys in that slid neatly under my bed. I also had a medium-sized closet. So my plan was to put a few things in the closet and put a few things under the bed. Quickly make up my bed and run outside and play. Quite a few times, it worked. For all intents and purposes, the room looked clean, and I was able to resume normal outside activities. Again, it seemed like it worked, but actually, I was creating another problem or two. One, I wasn't really cleaning. Two, I didn't stop accumulating things. So, more and more toys, more and more paper, And markers and things, more and more stuff I accumulated, which translated into more and more stuff I'd have to throw away. I hadn't dealt with any of it. I just stuffed things away so that I may return outside. But one day, it all comes out. Either my mom would see that I just threw things in my closet, or you'd see things peeking from under my bed socks. Paper, toys, everything. This is a real-life analogy of how repression works. It's pressing, pressing, and repressing things deep down in our minds. When we come to the age where we understand what life is, life had already been happening for several years. Before we knew what emotions were, what philosophy was, or how to process what we experienced in life, we had already been engaged. We had used emotions without understanding them or how to process them. We had developed basic philosophy without knowing what the word meant. We had some approach to handling life's situations before we knew what coping, processing, and rationalizing was. As I reflect, I was older before I got my own room. Prior to, I was used to sharing rooms and not taking responsibility. So basically, I felt like I had walked into a situation in the middle of it. To some degree, we all share that experience with life in general. It is as if we arrived at a movie that started 30 minutes ago. We missed the beginning, the introduction of the characters, and the seeds of the plot. Sure, we can figure some things out. But as we're figuring it out, the movie is still playing. Living life is learning from life as life goes on. I know I'm speaking generally, but as we get into specifics, you can see how repression can become a habit that we never knew we developed. At six years old, I had an experience that would rock my entire world. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was outside playing by myself at my granny's house. My aunts and uncle, who were like siblings, had went inside. And somewhere out of the blue, like a ton of bricks, a thought hit my mind. I remembered how one of my friends from school had talked about doing something with his father. I thought to myself, where is my father? Instantly, my mind was flooded with faded memories of my father dying. I ran into the house crying to my granny. I had remembered a cardiac event that he had while playing basketball. I remembered it. I told her I could see him playing. I could see him going up for a shot and falling from the air and hitting the ground. I remembered seeing him on his back while his friends tended to him. I remember sitting amongst the coats of those who were playing. I also remember a woman coming to pick me up. These memories were streaming in my mind. It was nothing that anyone had told me, but these were things that took place when I was two years old. Who remembers things from when they're two years old? And why did these memories hit me at this moment? And where had they been the last four years? Somehow, whether consciously or subconsciously, I had repressed these memories deep in my mind. I don't recall packing them away, pushing them under the bed of my mind, or shoving them in the closet of my memories. But they were there, and for some reason, I couldn't help them coming out at that time. Expanding on my analogy about the clean room, although I was shown the outline of what a clean room looked like, I had never been in the habit of cleaning my room. I hadn't had the regular habit of storing all of my pencils in a certain spot or all of my paper in a certain spot or regularly making my bed. And that relates to life in a number of ways. Many of us were not taught how to process our emotions at a young age. We aren't taught in detail how to process our thoughts on tragedy that occurs in our life. Some of us have experienced things as children that would be rated as adult situations on a TV show. And although we haven't been taught in detail, we were sternly told, get over it. Get over it. What does that really mean? As I study more and more about words and communication, I'm finding out how gray things can be. I had a good friend from my home church that was a great art teacher before she retired. She was a great artist, but also a great classroom manager. One day while I was in college, she asked me to come and speak with her class. After I spoke and prepared to leave, she shared something with me about something that I had said earlier. I had asked her about the color of something. And she shared, now, you know, I'm colorblind, right? I was flabbergasted. I didn't think that could happen. How could a colorblind person be an avid artist? But then the psychology of what that meant hit me also. Watch this. Both of us see a color that's called green. We grow up seeing that color and identifying it as green. The problem is that for colorblind people, depending on the type of colorblindness, the colors red and green both look like a similar shade of gray. So although we're using the same words, we could be talking about vastly different things. For many people, when they use the phrase, get over it, they're talking about taking the time to address one's feelings process the situation they experienced, come to an organized cognitive response, and rid themselves of guilt or a grudge and then resume life. To the onlooker, their room looks clean. But for others who may not have good coping skills, haven't been taught how to rationalize and properly weigh circumstances, those who don't have a good grasp of their emotions, they process get over it as don't think about it anymore and resume daily activities and even the don't think about it part is probably shove it under the bed or in the closet out of sight out of mind here's the problem one day the person that pressed pressed and repressed the person who should have been assertive and communicated their feelings The person who should have been talked to and prayed with to understand what happened to them was wrong and they shouldn't have to carry the guilt. The person who has carried things that they never addressed, all of that pressed down further and further, more compacted, at some point will erupt. And as I like to say, things that are repressed will often be expressed. Sometimes that expression is explosive and sometimes it's implosive. Sometimes that memory will hit unexpectedly and the memories that it was tied to will come flowing out as well. Given my past, and trust me, all of us have one, I'm sensitive to certain comments because I know what repression can sound like. You ever hear someone say, I'm just not going to say anything? That phrase isn't bad, but sometimes it can be. What does it mean? Does it mean that you've decided that what you were going to say isn't worth saying? Is there any resentment tied to it? Are you needing to communicate your feelings but don't feel that there is a safe environment for communication? Will not saying anything make the situation better, but you feel worse? Again, I'm not trying to be over-analytical. The Bible says that there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. So certainly everything doesn't need to be said. I also know that sometimes that is a cover phrase for, I'm just going to press this down so I don't have to think about it and I can resume normal daily activities. Or the phrase, get over it or move on. Not innately bad. But what does that mean, or what does that look like practically? Are you saying that some situations require us to accept what happened, learn from it, and be better for it? Because we understand that there are some things we must accept. When I ran into my granny's house, she grieved with me. She was there to hug and comfort me, but she also gave me the difficult truth. No matter how much I missed my father, and no matter how much she missed her son, there was nothing she could do to bring him back. His death was a situation I had to accept. And I'm sure this wasn't a lesson she wanted to teach me at that age, but life and death are a reality. There are those listening now that have faced some difficulties in your life. Tragic situations, hurtful situations, confusing situations that perhaps you were not prepared to deal with. As you grow and mature in life, do all that you can to learn how to deal with life. For me, my number one source has been God's Word. My advice would be to primarily become acquainted with His Word. Secondly, learning to communicate with God has been beneficial to my development. He tells us in his word to throw our cares at him. He's concerned about what concerns us. If you can talk to no one else, know that you can always talk to God. And you should talk to him first. If you have others that you can talk with, you can talk to them as well. Surround yourself with people of shared values who have your best interest at heart. Keep those nearby who can hear resentment in your tone or notice that you're not processing, but repressing. You cannot press, press, and repress without some expression. Be sure to tune in next week as we will continue to walk through what happens if we don't handle pressure well. If it has been a blessing, Share this episode or any others with your friends and family and your social media family as well. God bless. As always, thank you for sharing a word with Anthony.